Good morning, church. Let me hear a good amen this morning. What about a good praise the Lord? Man, I'm so glad to, to be here today. Um, my name is, for those who are here for the first time, I'm Pastor Terrence Taylor, one of the pastors here on staff at the Richland Seventh-day Adventist Church, and we just want to welcome you. We are glad that you're here today. If you're here visiting or coming for the first time, know that you are family and you are a part of the fabric and DNA of this church, and right after church, we're not just going to feed you spiritually, but I want to invite you now. Uh, right after church, we have a meal uh, prepared, so if you'd love to invite you to stay so you can listen to the sermon a little bit longer. Know that the food is going to be taken care of when we get done. Um, pastor Fred, who you saw earlier, was on staff. And also our lead pastor, Pastor Sergio Menente, is not here with us. But if you need to come back and make sure you hear him preach, you'll really enjoy uh, what the Lord has given him. And so today, uh, I woke up with an extremely sore back. I know, I know some of you who are much older than me say, just get used to it. Get ready for it. It's coming. And I found out Pastor's back was even sore himself. And I was trying to figure out what's the connection. And I realized we were in pastor's meetings all week. And so our labors have brought us down. But that's okay. I'm excited to be here this morning. And so um, some of you may not know, but I also serve another congregation, uh, which is now named New Movement. The church has changed its name from the Pasco Seventh-day Adventist Church to New Movement Church. It still is a Seventh-day Adventist Church. And next week is our official launch. So I'm really excited about that. Uh, we're reintroducing ourselves to the community. And so when I serve, as I serve two churches, sometimes... Uh, I would need to deliver two different messages in two different contexts. But today, um, I felt very impressed to share this message, a message I'm going to be sharing later at the other congregation. We did officially close uh, or finish, Pastor finished last week, our series. And I don't know where I thought that we were still going. And so um, I had a different message prepared. But you know what? The Lord said, I want you to share this one today. I want you to, to flow in this. And I think this is probably why. I have a personal um, burden that I've been feeling lately that the people of God need to get back to the Bible. We have so many resources. We have so many places we can listen to great teaching, great sermons, uh, great podcasts. But I think there's just something about returning back to the Bible as believers, as those who know the scriptures or those who need to know and dive into the scriptures. And so what I want to do today is want to share some scriptures with you. I want to get back to the Bible, and I want to share something with, about Jesus today. Is it all right if I can talk about Jesus? See, I, I've gotten to this place. I don't know if you've had this in your own Christian walk where, 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 where church has gotten so corporate for me. It's gotten so professional. It's gotten it's so much of my life that sometimes I, I don't see myself as just a believer. I don't see myself as just the one who, who needs Jesus. I, I see myself losing a picture of Jesus. And so I, I've been on this hunger, and, and as I was praying uh, the last couple weeks about this, this message really has been stirring in my soul. And so I want to share uh, today and kind of interact a little bit. So the, the team, the visual team, 
does not have uh, any of this, these scriptures prepared. So I'm, what we're going to do is I'm sure they're going to catch them, but I want to give you the scriptures ahead of time so that we can look at it together. Amen. That's what I'm talking about, returning to the Bible. If anybody has get, owes you a Christmas present or owes you some money or with your tax return, I would encourage you to purchase a Bible. Come on, somebody say amen. I'm talking about a real Bible. And here's the reason why. Because you can't check your email on this Bible. It doesn't ring. You can't do anything else. You can't play games. You got to look at it with your two eyeballs and read it. It's not going to read it to you. And I just think this is one of those investments uh, that believers need to make, especially those who are are in the faith or those who are new to the faith, I'm telling you, something about having your own Bible. Nothing will break you more than losing your favorite Bible. Anybody ever done that before? That's a painful experience. So I'm going to give you these texts ahead of time. I want you to, and if you see someone having a hard time, help them out. Let's look at them together. Here's the first text. If I want to write it down, Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. That's the first one. And I usually use the NLT version. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16. We got five scriptures today. The second one is Matthew chapter 9, two verses there, 35, 36. And then we're going to the Old Testament. And I'll, I'll share them again. What was that? Somebody say share them again? I heard money. Okay, I'll go back. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Matthew chapter 9, verses 35 and 36. Then we're going to find our way to Isaiah, the book of Isaiah. Verses 53, or chapter 53, verses 1 through 7. We doing okay so far? You kids following along? All right, good. They like a competition. And then Psalms, the book of Psalms. Psalms 103, verses 8 through 14. Psalms 103, verses 8 through 14. One more, and I'll repeat them again. 2 Corinthians, going back to the New Testament, and that's chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. Lots of scriptures. Repeat it one more time, then I'll help you help me preach this. Hebrews 4, 14 through 16, verses 14 through 16. Hebrews chapter 9, or excuse me, Matthew chapter 9. Verses 35 through 36. If you're new to the Bible, the chapters are the big numbers. Verses are the little numbers. Isaiah 53, chapter 53, verses 1 through 7. Psalms 103, verses 8 through 14. 2 Corinthians, second book of Corinthians, chapter 12, verses 8 through 10. I want to start by reading 
Hebrews. And then we will, let's see, I guess I do need a little more room. I was going to try that today. I'll go back to this. All right. Hebrews chapter 4, we'll start with that. And then we'll see what in the world is this brother talking about today. Verses 14 through 16. Oops, that's not Hebrews. There it is. So then, since we have a great high priest who has entered heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to what we believe. This high priest is our, of ours, understands our weaknesses. That's where I'm going to land today understands our weaknesses for he faced all of the same testings we do yet he did not sin let that sink in he faced all of the same testings that we do yet he did not sin so let us come boldly to the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive his mercy and we will find grace to help us when we need it most. This high priest of ours understands our weaknesses. Say, I need you to help me preach this, Chris. I, I need you today. Look at somebody next to you. Look at your neighbor. Look at them. Tell them, neighbor. Oh, neighbor, God likes them. The weaker, the better. Okay, try it on the other side. Let's make it a short version of that sermon. Say, neighbor, oh, neighbor, the weaker, the better. I want to talk to you today about depending on your weakness. Depending on on your weakness. Now, English is a very difficult language. Those who were raised speaking English understand it. Those who learned English as a second language really understand it. There's some things about English that just don't make sense. We have words that mean two different things. And when you think of the word depend, you think of the word of something that you can count on right? Something that you can trust. I can depend on this person. I can depend on this institution. I can depend on this place to be and to do what it's supposed to do. But English has funny things about it that we have the freedom at times to change words and make them into euphemisms that we can use and so depend also has a different context. So if I told you, depending on your weakness, the first meaning that probably jumped to your mind was that I'm saying you need to rely on your weakness. Is that maybe the first meaning that came to you? Right? That's how English works. 
What do you mean to depend on your weakness? You mean that I need to trust my weaknesses? I need to be able to count on them? That's another way we use the word depend. For example, if you invite, if someone invites you to eat, and they say, would you come over and eat at my house? And you might ask, who's cooking? Is it you, Pastor Terrence, or is it Missy? Because if either one of you are cooking, that depends. It's interesting, the tension, even in that word, the way we use it, that depending on what happens, we'll say, well, that depends. Are you coming on church, to church today? Well, that depends. Even in that word, there's a tension when we use it that way, that there's something else that we're leaning on, that there's some condition put in the statement that if this doesn't work out, I have something else to fall back on, that my decision is based on the right information or the possible outcomes of whatever you're inviting me to. And so I can tell you, depending on your weakness changes the meaning now that shows that there's a condition or there is an opportunity that's waiting in your weakness. You guys are so smart. I'm not that smart. I'm just interested in this tension because I see something in Jesus that blows my mind, that, that completely makes me fall in love with him all over again. That there's something about Jesus who understands our weakness. And that, that understanding of our weakness was intentional. That Jesus decided to understand what it felt like and salvation was tied and connected, healing, restoration, and power, it really depends on our weakness. Because the things that we need from God are not all the same. You need something different than I do. You need something different than they do. We all are different. We all have our own struggles and issues, our own context, our own pain. But we serve a God who can heal and serve everybody. And he doesn't do it as a consultant. He does it with experience. Because he understands our weakness. The scripture said, Pastor Fred, that he has been tested. Ooh, almost fell off of this stage. He has been tested in every way that we have. He has been tested and challenged and been placed with the same weaknesses that you have, yet the difference was he didn't sin which implies the fact that our weaknesses can either lead us to, cause us to, or result in sin. I wish y'all helped me preach this this morning. Let, let me start here. Jesus is a conquering king. Y'all believe that? 
Bible explains to us the, the, the history, the backstory of Jesus, that he didn't just appear in the human experience, but he was the king, the son of God, the reigning, defending champ of heaven. He was the one who body slammed, Chris don't laugh too hard, Bobby Boucher, the devil outside of heaven. That was Jesus. And then Jesus stepped into the human experience but he did not change his identity. He came as a king, and he came as the conquering king. Can I put it this way? Jesus came to conquer the human experience. <laughs> Maybe not have saw it that way. Jesus came to conquer, to win, to go undefeated, to understand what it meant to live in the human experience, to bring salvation to the human race, to redeem what was lost, that Jesus was the conquering king. He came to conquer the human experience. And so because of that conquering, he chose to embrace our weaknesses. He didn't use his advantage, but he chose to put himself in the same position that we are in. Have you noticed that Jesus prayed? Doesn't that seem strange that Jesus would need to pray? Why does he need to spend time in prayer? Does he not know who his father is? Is he not the son of God? Will the father not do everything he asked to do? However, he does not place himself in the advantage of his divinity, but chooses to conquer in the weakness of the human experience. In order to understand our weaknesses. See, sometimes I believe as believers, we don't understand the difference between weakness and sickness. There's a difference between weakness and sickness. Can I just give you a simple definition? You can explore it in your small group or your Bible study or your Sabbath school class. Sickness is without health. Weakness is without strength. Something that is weak is just without strength. But if you gave it the strength back, it would be restored. Now there's a difference between being weak and being sick. See, here's, here's what, let me, let me give you the difference. This is why I know sometimes we have problems with this. Because usually we are uncomfortable with being weak. But we're comfortable with being sick. See, there's a difference. See, weakness says you need to apologize. Weakness says... I'm not strong enough for this. 
Weakness says, I need to be built up in this area. Sickness says, I'm not going to recover unless I have intervention. Sickness says, I need to be healed and it needs to come to the root of the issue, not just the symptoms. See, I don't know about you, but it's like when I was young, boys were taught when you got hurt, stop crying. Anybody taught that? Men don't cry. Lord, I wish somebody wouldn't have told me that. I mean, I'm talking about our, our leg is broken and, you know, our nose is pointing this direction. Somebody's like, boy, you better not cry. Get back in the game. You know, we getting back in the game. Uh, your leg is broke, man. Your toes are going this direction. It's all right. Give me the ball. Shoot the free throws. And then we get old and our spouses are like, I don't know. He just won't talk to me. He won't express his feelings. That's because he got about 40 years of pain just bottling up inside of him, just sitting there like this. I ain't going to cry. I'm not going to cry. See, what the world calls weakness is sickness. And what the church calls sickness is weakness. Mm. See, 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 being honest and, and seeking reconciliation in the culture, that's weakness. You're not supposed to, to back down. You're not, supposed to, you're not supposed to negotiate. You're not supposed to, to agree. You're not supposed to do that. You're supposed to be strong. And if you're sick, that's okay. We'll just give you something to cover that up. We'll just give you something to hide it. Don't worry about it. There's a cure for that later. Just pretend you're good, but don't be weak. See, the culture has taught us something different. But Jesus chooses to save you based on your weakness. He can remove the sickness, but he wants to bring strength to your weakness. Let me try to persuade you a little bit better. Let's go to Matthew's chapter 9. So what I want to encourage you today is that Jesus chose to be weak and chose to embrace our weaknesses in order to bring us his strength. I told you to find Matthew chapter 9, right? Look at, look at, the, look at how, Je, how it describes Jesus in his ministry. The Bible says Jesus traveled, there's verse 35, Jesus traveled throughout the towns and villages of that area, teaching in the synagogues, and announcing the good news about the kingdom, he healed every kind of disease and illness, right? There's the healing of the sickness. There's bringing health to their bodies. When he saw the crowds, though, he, I added though, but when he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them because they were confused and helpless, like sheep without a shepherd. See, the sickness was illness that needed to be restored. But what Jesus really saw the compassion was in their weakness. What did it say there? They were helpless and they were confused. They did not have the strength to take care of themselves. They did not have the strength to survive on their own. And what's amazing to me 
as while we see this picture of strength, while we see this Jesus who's coming in like an absolute hero and he's healing people and he's bringing salvation and he's trumpeting the gospel, we have a picture in scripture that I want to show you now in Isaiah 53 that Jesus was not just living as a person with no challenges. In fact, he was fully embracing the weaknesses of humanity. Let's go to Isaiah 53. This is a powerful passage of scripture that projects onto Jesus. It shows us and gives us an insight uh, prophetically into who Jesus, what his experience was. Bible says, who has believed our message? To whom has the Lord revealed his powerful arm? My servant, talking about Jesus. This is messianic language, talking about the Messiah to come. My servant grew up in the Lord's presence like a tender green shoot, like a root in dry ground. Listen to this. There was nothing beautiful or majestic about his appearance. Nothing to attract us to him. There was nothing beautiful about Jesus' appearance. He was not a beautiful person. I know we have our images of him, but I'm talking about the Bible saying that's not what attracted us to him. He was not attracted by any, attract, people were not attracted to him by anything that was beautiful or glorious or shining about him. Let's keep going. He was despised and rejected, a man of sorrows, acquainted with deepest grief. We turned our backs on him and looked the other way. He was despised and we did not care. Yet it was our, what's the word there? Weaknesses. He carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. We thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins. But yet he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so that so we could be whole. He was whipped so we could be healed. All of us like sheep have strayed away, we've left God's plans to follow our own, yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed, he was treated harshly, yet he never said a word. Verse 4 said, it was our weakness he carried. So I want you to understand, that while Jesus was bringing strength and conquering the human experience, while Jesus was bringing healing to the bodies of those ravished by illness, he was doing it under the weight of weakness. He himself was despised and rejected. It seems impossible to think of a, someone like Jesus that you would think everyone loved him and everyone was with him. The reality is Jesus lived a life of pain and sorrow. 
He lived a life of being ridiculed and overlooked. He lived a life of pain. The Bible says in that text and other versions that he was acquainted with grief. It's almost like his friends were weakness and pain. It's almost like he was so friend, friendly with loneliness. Jesus was carrying the weight of our human weaknesses on him at the same time bringing deliverance and bringing healing to other people. He was depending on our weakness. And the greater the weakness, the more dependence he needed on his father. The greater the weight of sin, the more he needed to feel what it felt like to be without God. The greater the weakness and the strength, the more he could understand just how far we had fallen. Let's go to Psalms. Let's go to Psalms 103. Psalms 103 says this in verses 8 through 14. The Lord is compassionate and merciful, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He will not constantly accuse us nor remain angry forever. He does not punish us for our, all our sins. He does not deal with us harsh, harshly with us as we deserve for his unfailing love towards those who fear him is as great as the height of the heavens above the earth he has removed our sins as far as from the from us from the east is from the west the lord is like the father to his children tender and compassionate to those who fear him for he knows how weak we are and he remembers we are only dust Jesus as conqueror chose to conquer in our weakness. The fullness of our weakness. His decision to extend mercy is his decision to extend mercy. Not because we asked for it, not because we earned it, but simply because of who he is. The unfailing love, the, the pursuit of humanity is flowing from the very being of God. And Jesus says, there's no other way to do this but the hard way. And I'm going to do it. I'm going to jump into the human experience and I'm going to embrace the weaknesses that they have so that the salvation they receive will be complete that I might rejoice in the salvation of humanity from personal experience. Though Jesus had not sinned, he allowed all the sins ever to be committed in humanity to fall on him and to live with it. The guilt, the shame, the pain, the abuse, he the feelings of sin were stirring inside of him. And so his decision to go to the cross was a decision of destiny and purpose because the closer he walked to the cross, the closer he walked to his weakness. And there was a decision that needed to guide him and to help him. Here's the good news. I want to give you three things, and I want to show you a fantastic scripture, and then I want to let you go. 
Here's the first point I want to make to you. Jesus chose weakness. Jesus chose it. He prefers to operate in it. He says, you know what? I'm going to do this in weakness. I'm not going to take an advantage. I'm not going to find an easy way. I'm going to live this out. I choose to be weak. There are decisions in our life when we are in relationships with other people, whether they are romantic, whether they are parental, whether they are in family, where we need to choose to be weak. There's something about trying to be our best self. There's something about trying to present ourselves as always having it together. Don't you understand that sometimes you have to choose to be weak. You have to choose to be vulnerable. You have to choose to hear them out. You have to choose to see it a different way. You have to choose to submit yourself before someone else. You have to choose to be submissive and cooperative and understanding and sacrificial and to give and to show up and to serve and to be kind and to be nice to people who hate you. Because that's the gospel, that in the face of hatred, in the face of negativity, in the face of the world that's falling apart, we choose to be weak for the sake of the gospel. For those who love Jesus, we choose to put ourselves in a position of weakness. And weakness is not sickness. It just means we don't have the strength. And can I be honest with you? You don't have the strength to do everything that you want to do. If you think you can do this marriage on your own, I'm sorry. If you think you can raise those bad kids on your own, I'm sorry. We all know they're bad. No, I'm just playing. No such thing as bad kids. Just forget. <laughs> Choosing to say, you know what? I'm weak at this. I need strength added to this. I never got over the death of my mother. I never got over the death of my father. I never got over the death of my child. I need you. I need a church family to help me through this addiction. I need someone to walk with me. I need counseling. I need help. It starts with a position of weakness. Let's make another point. Jesus knows weakness. Not only did Jesus, he chose weakness, he knows weakness. In other words, Jesus recognizes it. So we don't always see weakness. We don't always see red flags, do we? We don't always see that that's a bad business opportunity. We don't always see that that relationship's going down the wrong direction. We don't always see that that was a bad mistake. We don't always see the good things. We don't always see that that person really was someone who loved us. We don't always see that that was the best house we ever lived in. That was the best opportunity. Those were the best times of my life. But Jesus, he recognizes weakness. It's kind of like this. When Jesus was walking around the earth, can you imagine him looking at those people that the Bible describes as weak and not having someone to cover them and confused? And Jesus was walking by people. And he was like, hey, loneliness. How you doing, man? 
Hey, discouragement, I see you. I see you over there. Hey, Jesus, how you doing? Oh, it's been good, man. You know what? You got, really shouldn't bother these people, but I see you guys on the cross, right? Discouragement, pain, shame. We got an appointment, right? On the cross. I meet you guys there. Jesus could recognize weakness. The, the scripture in Isaiah said he was acquainted with grief. It's almost like the Bible is painting this beautiful Hebrew picture of, it's almost like the personification of grief. Like Jesus had a friend that was named Grief. Like Jesus met sorrow every single day. Jesus recognizes weakness. That's why some people, let's be honest, are afraid of Jesus. You know why we're afraid? Because he recognizes the weakness. You spend some time with Jesus, Jesus will be like, uh, yeah, can I talk to you about something? I was just going to say something about this, that you have some weakness. Or, oh, no, Jesus, that's not, that's not that. That's this. That's just my personality. No, actually, that's something that we need to talk about because Jesus recognizes weakness. He knows it. He's familiar with it. He knows what it looks like. He can see it a mile Oh, wait, that's how good Jesus is at recognizing our weaknesses. That ought to give you some hope because that means there are some things that are inside of you that you don't even realize is killing you. There's some things inside of me I didn't even realize was there. But when I submit to Jesus, he's able to recognize it. There's nothing too hard for him. There's nothing catching him off guard. There's nothing that I will deal with that Jesus has not dealt with himself. He understands us. He knows our weaknesses. Here's the last point. Jesus exposed weakness. He had influence over it. See, this is why I think, y'all could just give me some freedom here. This is why I think Jesus was, was such a powerful healer. Because he had so much authority over sickness, over evil spirits, and over weakness. Jesus showed up. He didn't even say anything. And all these demons started acting up. I was like, oh, man, Jesus is here. She's like, all right, guys, come on. It's time to go. You guys are going to have to get out of here. And here's the sad part. There are some people that Jesus went to heal, and they didn't want healing. They were like, no, Jesus, can, um, can addiction stay for a while? I really don't want to let go of that one. Can you, you mind? She's like, hey, it's up to you. I'll tell you what. Anytime you're ready for this to leave, you just let me know. Because the truth and the power of Jesus, it exposes the enemy. That's why some people at your job, they can't stand you. You know why? Because you're exposing them. You're exposing them. They don't like the righteousness inside of you. They don't like the way that your weakness is being portrayed. What do you mean? You're not stepping over the corporate ladder? What do you mean? You're not just going to fire them without a cause? What do you mean? You're not just going to push your way to the top? What do you mean? The dollar's not your bottom line? No, I choose to operate in a different way. And some people, your weakness is exposing their sickness. And the good thing is I, I know that when I acknowledge my weaknesses that Jesus has influence over them. I want to end with this text in 2 Corinthians chapter 12. And 
If you've ever read the Bible and you know about a man named Paul, Paul was one of the biggest church planters in the Bible. He had a pretty interesting story because he was actually on the other side of the faith. He was actually a church persecutor. He was actually an accomplice to a murder. Uh, he actually ordered the destruction of several, uh, I can't find this text, several different <clears throat> people in the Bible. The Bible says he would chase after them. He would pull people out for believing in Christ. But something happened. Paul had a conversion experience. And you know what the first thing that Jesus did made him weak? Took his eyesight. And Paul went on to be one of the greatest church leaders in the Bible. But here's the issue. Paul had a weakness. And we don't really know what the weakness is. We don't really understand what it was. But whatever it was, Paul was living with it. And here tucked away is this beautiful gem in 2 Corinthians 12, verses 8 through 10. Paul begins to confess to us, to believers today. He says, guess what? I had this weakness. He said, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. You ever begged the Lord to take your weakness away? God, I'm just not good at this. Look, I'm talking about weakness. I'm not talking about sickness. You can always ask God to take your sickness away. Sometimes it comes away. Because here's the thing. You can be sick and not be weak. I've known people who were sick with cancer, but they were the strongest spiritual people I've ever met. So he says, each time he said, my grace is all you need. Paul tried to say, look, can you take this weakness away? Like, we'd be doing pretty good if I didn't have this issue. And God's like, no, my grace is sufficient. It's all you need. My power, look what the Bible says, my power works best in weakness. That's good gospel, man. My power kicks in overdrive in weakness. That's the way I work. I work in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast. Look what Paul says. I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can flow through me. It can work through me now. I can boast. I'm weak in this. Guess what? Did y'all notice that I was weak in this? Did you know I wasn't very good at this? Can I, can I tell you? Like, I'm not very good at this. But for some reason, I'm the best that ever did it. <laughs> like Peter was a cussing sailor. And Peter's got some books in the Bible, right? Like Peter, Peter got some glasses and, you know, he sat down and, and wrote the gospel. I'm not good at this. And that's the thing God is choosing to use me in. Man, I can appreciate that. That's why he says, verse 10, I take pleasure in my weakness and the insults, hardships, persecutions, and troubles that I'll suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Depending on your weakness says, when I'm weak, I'm strong. I don't have this figured out, but I know I need you. I don't have a perfect answer, but I know, God, I need you. And maybe you have had some weaknesses exposed 
today that God is saying, that's what I'm leaving there for you. Because if I leave it there, you will learn how to trust me. You will learn how to cry out to me. Don't run away from what's weak. Embrace it and allow me to intervene. Because that moment, moment of weakness in you is where I want to show you how strong I really am. So we serve a God. And we serve a Savior today. It says, I know what you're going through. Listen, you don't, you don't have to explain it to me. You don't have to. You, I love to hear you talk about it, but the reality is I know what you're going through. I know what it feels like. I, I, listen, and I want to not only remove and heal the sickness, I want to bring health to you because the Bible says he would heal and then he would teach. He would bring healing and then he would teach the gospel. You know why? Because they needed to think a different way. We need to think a different way. And Jesus would remove and bring health so that he can build up and impart strength. And I just want to encourage someone today as we get ready to close this message that as you look at your year this year, there's some opportunities that God is saying, you know what? We're going to wrestle with this weakness together. And I want to deal with the sickness. I want to deal with the stuff that's not going away. I want to get rid of that because I need you to experience my power and I'm attracted to your weakness. I want to bring strength to you. So I want to ask that you bow your heads and close your eyes. Just if there's anyone today who says, God, I, I am weak. I, I am not strong enough to do this. I am not strong enough to endure this. I don't have what it takes. I've been doing it my way and it doesn't make sense and I need you to help me through. I'm going to ask you to do something really bold today. While everybody's eyes are closed, heads bowed, nobody's looking at you. That's why we're doing that. Not forcing a sense of reverence on you. I'm just giving a space and an opportunity for safety for those who need to feel safe. If you today are saying, God, I need you in a desperate way. I'm aware of my weakness. I'm aware that I'm in trouble and I need you. I want you to be bold and I want you to raise your hand as high as you can. Oh, God bless you. Oh, hands coming up all over the place. Praise God. I want you to keep them there as I pray. Father, our hands are up as a sign of surrender. Our hands are up as a child who's saying, God, pick us up. Daddy, I need you. I want to pray right now for all of those hands that are lifted because what they are doing is receiving your strength. As we acknowledge our weakness this morning that we can't change, that we can't go forward, we are confessing today that, Lord, we need your power to come and flow in our lives. We pray that you forgive us, forgive us of our sins, that you will remove our sickness, and that we will embrace the mission that you've called each of us to. And I pray today a prayer of celebration and of gratitude for the way you have moved and the way you have fought for us today. And we love you in the name of Jesus. And everyone said amen. Amen. You can put your hands down, put the other hand with it, and let's give God a praise this morning for the power and for the strength of the gospel. Why don't we stand to our feet and as we sing our closing song together, let's celebrate the God that loves us.